Amen. Amen to that. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Ron. Beautiful prelude. Uh, good morning. morning. You happy to be here? Okay, well, say hi to Carl in Lake Tahoe. He's up in Lake Tahoe somewhere, beaming in today. And to Mary, and to Tom, and to Auntie Faye, and to uh, Rindy, and all those people who are joining us online. We do appreciate you being with us. And thank you for being here uh, this morning as well. It's good that we're here. And the Bell Choir is going to be playing for us this morning. In fact, as we prepare our hearts for worship now, we're going to have just a moment of silence. And the Bell Choir is going to play for us. Give me Jesus. Order is printed in your bulletin. Everything's projected for you. If it's comfortable, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We move from that Afro-American spiritual to Beethoven. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee.
continue with our responsive reading for this morning, our litany. We are called to be the church. Love one another. Pray for one another. Be devoted to one another. Do not speak against one another. Show tolerance for one another. Speak truth to one another. Comfort one another. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. May Jesus Christ be praised. Our hymn of praise when morning gilds the skies. Jesus Christ be praised in our worship. May Jesus Christ be praised in our departing. May Jesus Christ be praised in our loving and serving. May Jesus Christ be praised in our interactions with friends and strangers. In our lives, in our words, in our actions. May Jesus Christ be praised. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. The first lesson today is from Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. 
his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. The word of the Lord. Thank you, the Bell Choir. Wonderful to have you back. A uh, uh, program built by Linda Neverman. And uh, Sheila, thank you for leading the Bell Choir. Thank you for the beautiful music. Ron, thank you. Joy, thank you for uh, cantering for us this morning. Appreciate your service to us. Now wake up. It's time to go. Yes, I did change shirts from yellow to blue. That's because we're headed to Israel this morning. We're headed to the Holy Land. And we're going to begin with a map, so you kind of know where we are today. There, can you see that map? Uh, 2,000 years ago, the map of Palestine looked like this. Lots of lines and borders and loosely defined territories. And the entire region was under the control of the Romans and their puppet leaders, leaders who sought to stay in power by oppressing the poor and by pleasing Caesar in Rome. 
Do you see the seaport on the Mediterranean coast up there, Caesarea? It was a magnificent harbor that was built by King Herod to honor Caesar. Pontius Pilate had a summer home there. Now, further north, in the shadow of Mount Hermon, you see Caesarea Philippi, an impressive pagan city with a temple dedicated to the half-goat, half-man, Roman god known as Pan. It was built by Herod's son, Philip, about the same time that Jesus was being born in Bethlehem. And it was dedicated to, you guessed it, Caesar Augustus. 2,000 years later, the map looks remarkably similar. A few of the names have changed. Some of the lines have been replaced with walls. But this tiny strip of land, this highway that connects three continents, is still in the news most every night. And it is still divided by race and religion and culture and politics. Now on the map, there are three prominent bodies of water. The Mediterranean Sea, you see up to the left. The Sea of Galilee in the north. And the Dead Sea in the barren Judean desert. The Jordan River comes out of the Dan Mountains, not far from Damascus, Syria, The sweet water fills the Sea of Galilee, and when it leaves the sea, it once again becomes the Jordan River as the water works its way towards the lowest point on earth, which is the Dead Sea. In the hill country of the Galilee, you see Nazareth. This small village was the hometown of Jesus. He would spend 30 mostly quiet years there growing up and working in the carpenter shop. Then one day, Jesus walked out of Nazareth, and on the banks of the Jordan River, he heard his cousin, John the Baptist, preaching. He waded in the water, and he was baptized, and everything changed. The heavens were torn. The Holy Spirit took hold of Jesus, and there would be no going back. There would be no going home to Nazareth. Now, at the northern end of the Sea of Galilee is a fishing village, Capernaum, Capernaum. The disciple Peter lived there. From Capernaum, Jesus and his traveling salvation show and miracle network would set out to the villages in the Galilee and to the holy city of Jerusalem. Now, the journey from Capernaum to Jerusalem was quite a hike. It is quite a hike. Now, today, in an air-conditioned bus as we travel, we can drive from the Sea of Galilee to Jerusalem in just under three hours. So figure three hours plus like three bathroom stops and a camel ride, so about five hours altogether, and your day is filled and your bladder's been emptied repeatedly. On foot, it would be a very different story. 2,000 years ago, walking seven hours a day, it would take four days to make the journey from Capernaum Capernaum to Jerusalem. Now, keep in mind, they didn't have Facebook, no NFL football, internet, or mariners, so it's not like they had something else to do. But without GPS, there would be three ways to get from the Sea of Galilee region to Jerusalem. One could walk down the relatively flat Jordan River Valley to Jericho and then head up to Jerusalem. Or one could head to the Mediterranean Sea and walk the Via Maris, the way of the sea. Or you could cut through Samaria. 
Now, here's the problem. Do you know who lived in Samaria? I mean, do you know who was buried in Grant's tomb, right? That's not a trick question. Samaritans lived in Samaria. And the Jews and the Samaritans had no use for each other. The Jews and Samaritans were cousins, but they weren't kissing cousins. They did not play well together. They had lived side by side for hundreds of years, kind of like the Hatfields and McCoys lived side by side in Kentucky. So we're going to enter now our story to our assigned text today from Luke, the 17th chapter. And Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to the holy city for the last time. Soon he's going to be rejected by his people. The religious folks would be threatened by his all-inclusive grace. This is the 17th chapter. By the 19th chapter, they will try him and crucify him. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. Now, between is a big word here, so hold on to that for a moment. As he approached a village, ten lepers came out. They came towards Jesus. They kept their distance, as was required by law, and they called out. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. The lepers suffered from a terrible disease, and this disease had taken pretty much everything from them. They lived in pain, constant pain. They were considered contagious and unclean. They were unemployed, and they were unemployable. They were not allowed to live with their families anymore. They had to rely only on charity. They lived with other lepers. Where? On the fringes of society. In a place between Israel and Samaria. Between civilizations. In a land between, might we say, life and death. From a distance they called out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They were not in close proximity. They were not in Jesus' way. It would have been very easy to just keep on walking and pass them by. The next three words recorded in Luke's gospel are critical. He saw them. He saw them. Jesus could have chosen not to see them. He could have turned a blind eye like we so often do when we see street people in Seattle or the unemployed outside of Payless. Jesus could have chosen not to see them when they called out, but he heard them and he saw them. And then he spoke to the lepers. He said, go and show yourselves to the priest. Why? Why would he tell them to do that? It was quite simple. You see, only the priest could restore them to the community. Only the priest could give them a clean bill of health. The priest had to see them. The priest had to inspect them. The priest had to declare them clean because if the priest did not declare them clean, then they would remain on the fringes of society, not able to return to their families, their work, or their community. Now, those of us in 2022, those of us 
who've had to take a COVID test in the past year or two understand this better now. If you want to travel to a foreign country, you must be declared clean, free, clean, COVID-free. Stay positive, I say, test negative. Jesus told them, go. Go find your local priest. Go to the nearest synagogue. Go find a rabbi. Go to the temple in Jerusalem, but just go. And as they painfully hobbled away, what happened was a miracle. Their bodies began to be restored. Their bodies were being healed as they moved. The signs of the disease retreated. Now imagine, if you will, their unbridled joy. This was an Easter moment. The ten lepers had been dead, and now they were experiencing resurrection. A clean bill of health would soon be theirs. And then one of them, one out of ten, one, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, praising God with a long, loud voice. He saw the retreat of diseased skin. He was overcome with joy. He could find a priest later. He had to return to the one who had cured him. And when he found Jesus, he prostrated himself before Jesus. Now, when was the last time he used that word in a sentence? No, not prostate, but prostrate. There's a big difference. We don't use the word prostrate because we never come across such an act of respect and humility. Now, Martin Luther prostrated himself before the altar. Let me show you kind of how that looks here. You see that? Now, I was going to do it myself. I was going to lay down here and do it, but I was afraid I couldn't get back up. So I pulled up this image, and what I realized was like the old guys like me, they just kneel there, right? And I'm assuming that 15-year-old is prostrating himself and not the sleeping acolyte. But, but that's kind of what it looks like to prostrate yourself before the altar. So imagine now this leper, seeing that he had been healed, he was so overcome with joy and thankfulness that he, recur- he returned to find Jesus and he fell down in the dirt, laying before him, and thanked him. And then get the next four words from the story. He was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. Those four words would have profound meaning to the first century's hearers of this word. Now, i got to tell you, this would not play well with the religious people. This troublemaker, Rabbi Jesus, who spent time with tax collectors and prostitutes and known sinners, was now hanging out with Samaritan lepers? No, this was not going to play well. Jesus looked at the man and he said, We're not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this this foreigner? There was no sign of the other nine. And really, if you think about it, in context of the story, should that be a surprise? 
No, not really, because they were really they were off doing what Jesus had told them to do, right? They were looking for a priest. And here's this Samaritan laying in the dust, given new life. And Jesus knelt down and touched the Samaritan, the former leper the man who had been living on the fringes of society and was now laying in the border dirt of no man's land, Jesus says, get up. Dust yourself off. In fact, let me help you. Now go on your way. You have not yet been declared clean, but your faith has made you well. The Gospel of the Lord. That's the text. You can read it in Luke chapter 17 yourself tonight, this week. It's a great story, is it not? But then we've got to say, so what? What now? What are we going to do with this story? What particular word does God have for us this morning? Let's see if we can put this lesson into kind of three main points, three categories. The first is seeing. The second is healing. And the third is thanksgiving. First, we cannot hear this story and overestimate the importance of seeing. Seeing is believing, right? Jesus saw the lepers. He made the choice to see them. And the visual recognition would open the door to an engagement with them. He could have made another choice. He could have walked right on by. He was busy after all. He had places to go, people to see, lessons to teach, a world to save. Seeing is believing. He took the time to see them. He saw their suffering. They were living on the fringes of society with a disfiguring disease that had taken most everything from them He saw them. Seeing is believing. Might our eyes be opened? Might our eyes be opened to those who are around us every day? To really see them in their brokenness? To really see them in their need? So what's the problem? Well, here's the problem. It's hard to see others when you can't get over yourself. When your only focus in life is the image that stares back at you in the mirror, then 98% of your vision's lost. When your life and your problems blind you to your neighbor and your spouse or your friend, then they lose, and so do you. Seeing is believing. And the seeing was not limited to Jesus. Remember, one of them, one of them, one out of ten, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. One of the ten, just one, saw and believed and returned to give thanks. Seeing, healing is the second. Now we read the story, we hear the story, all ten were healed. All ten. All ten were blessed by God. All ten were given a new beginning. They could now return to society, to their families, to their workplaces, to their communities. All ten. God blesses us. God loves us. 
We are cared for and loved by God. God sees us. And it does not matter if we come to church or not. It doesn't matter if we keep the Ten Commandments or not. It doesn't even matter if we believe in God. God loves us still. God blesses us still. And God offers us a new beginning. All ten were healed. I think it's safe to say that most of us in this room have experienced healing, have we not? At our age, we've had our share of health issues. I sometimes refer to the coffee hour as an organ recital. That's right, people drinking coffee and saying, my kidneys are not quite working right, I had cataracts removed, my heart bypass went well, my hip was replaced. Oh yeah, we've all had some healing in our life, have we not? Miracles and healing, they abound. But let me tell you something about those healings. They lead to death. They are temporary. Most of us are reaching our shelf life. And no matter how many new body parts we have in our $6 million bodies, the grim reaper is still lurking over our shoulder with a sickle in hand. Miracles and healings abound. I was in Israel this past March, and you know, I asked, I said, hey, those 10 lepers, have you seen any of them? And they're like, what? They're dead and buried. That's where they are. And so I asked, I said, well, do you know where Lazarus is? You know, the one that Jesus raised from the dead? And they said, no one's seen Lazarus in 2,000 years. He's dead. You see, healing is just a temporary get-out-of-jail-free card. It offers us an extension of life, but not an escape from death. All ten were healed, but only one, only one was made well. I was talking with a man recently. He was old. He'd had a wonderful life. Many times in his life he'd been healed of one ailment or another, but now death was near. It was very near. Death was just around the corner, a few days off. He was tired and weak and worn, and there was no expectation for him that he was going to be healed this time. And then he said to me, I'm fine. No worries. All good. He was dying. But he'd been made well, you see. So my friends, I could ask you, do you want to be healed? I think the answer is yes. So find a good doctor. We're blessed to be in a part of the world where we have marvelous hospitals. Miracles and healings happen every day. But know that what they offer you is temporary at best. So maybe there's something better that we could strive for, better than being healed. So I might ask you, do you want to be made well? One out of ten returned to give thanks. That one a Samaritan, and he was made well. So what is it to be made well? Well, being made well involves vision and recognition and participation and thanksgiving. Being made well is about getting outside of yourself and your problems and seeing God, putting your faith in something greater than your intellect or your money or your body. 
You see, being made well requires our participation. Now, we have said that seeing is believing, but maybe, uh, maybe we have that wrong. Perhaps the order is wrong. Perhaps we should say believing is seeing. Believing in Jesus allows us to see. Believing in Jesus allows us to see the miracle of each day and the blessings that come to us so abundantly. Believing is seeing. Believing that we are loved and forgiven and never alone. What's that going to do for us? It's going to free us to be loving and forgiving and compassionate and caring to others and to ourselves. Believing in Jesus. If we start there, the whole world looks different. Now, tomorrow and Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving in Canada. So I'm going I'm to say let's join our neighbors in the north. Let's be inspired by the witness of the Samaritan leper. Let's be made well by giving thanks to God. Amen? I invite you to stand if it's comfortable, and we're going to sing an appropriate hymn, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. continue now. We raise our hearts to God in prayer. Christy is going to lead us in the prayers. Each petition will end, Lord, in your mercy and our response. Hear our prayer. Let us pray. In gratitude and humility, let us join together in prayer on behalf of all God's creation. Healing God, as Jesus modeled reaching out to those in isolation, those on the border between acceptable places, 
among those who were typically marginalized. Help us challenge ourselves to see within and find out who we need to recognize and see as worthy and heal our hearts so we might love more fully. Lord, in your mercy, Powerful God, encourage humility in all who hold political authority locally and across the world. Guide them to see you in themselves, in every human face, and to govern justly, mercifully, and with respect for all. Lord, in your mercy. Eternal God, let us remember those who have died, those who are nearing the end of this life's journey, and all those who are ill or troubled in body or mind. Lord, in your mercy, Loving God, hear the cries of those in distress from the effects of climate and of our destruction of your creation. Give us hands, hearts, and vision to make lasting change and meaningful recovery for all those in need. Lord, in your mercy. Generous God, we pause in this moment to offer you our heartfelt thanksgivings and joys, as well as our intercessions and memorials, aloud or silently. Lord, in your mercy. Renewing God, we give thanksgiving for the faithful servants who lead us in this congregation, who reawaken our wonder, who visit the sick, who encourage our faith, and teach us the way to an abundant life with you. Give them vision and energy to continue the journey in faithful service. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Please share peace uh, greeting with each other. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that green and peace. Thank you for sharing that greeting and peace. After the service, come on over in the gym. I think we have cinnamon rolls from Payless today. Unless you're on a diet. Uh, come on over for a time of coffee and fellowship. Nice day out in the courtyard as well, if you want to go out there. Lots of announcements printed in your bulletin. Lots going on here at the church. I'd really encourage you to uh, take a look at that very carefully. Uh, this uh, coming Saturday, we have a men's breakfast at 8 a.m. It's been two and a half years since we've had the men's breakfast. So this uh, Saturday, uh, our men will be in cooking early, 8 o'clock. We have breakfast uh, uh, no real program there, a little sharing together, but uh, 8 o'clock, 8 a.m., uh, breakfast in the gym, all that 
uh, good, unhealthy food for you, can't get it home. We served you here for the love of Jesus. Um, also, next Saturday at 9 a.m., we have a new members class. I think there's a sign-up on the table. If you're interested in finding out more about Trinity Church, more about membership, there's no obligation, but uh, feel free to come out. I'm looking forward to being with you next Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Uh, for that as well. Now, next Sunday, start planning now. We're going to have a chocolate Sunday. So that means uh, we're going to have all things chocolate at the coffee hour. So if you have a favorite chocolate cake or chocolate cookie or chocolate treat of some kind that you make and want to bring in, we'd encourage you to do that. So, and if you want to cut back on sweets during the week so you're ready for next Sunday, we'd encourage you uh, to do that um, as well. Um, we're reminded this week, again, we have uh, no abiding place here uh, um, Herb Hosfeld's brother Bud died, 90 years old, and uh, died uh, surrounded by those who love him. And we'll be celebrating his life uh, next week, a, a week from now. And but we give thanks. And Herb our, and Lynn, our condolences to you at uh, at his uh, passing. Um, Deacon Amy, come on up. Morning. We have a new uh, bright green half sheet with our announcements for children, youth, and family. That's on the table in the narthex. Lots of great things coming up. Confirmation class meets next week. Middle school kids meet every uh, Wednesday afternoon at 4. High school kids meet every Sunday afternoon at noon. Lots of good things going on. Our third Thursday family fun this month, October 20th, we're getting together for dinner and decorating pumpkins. So there's uh, information about all these things on the bulletin board in the gym. And then also a note, uh, men's breakfast is returning. So is Lift, formerly known as GIFT. This is a group of women that gathered before the pandemic. Lyft is now living in faith together, uh, and they will meet this Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock down in Fireside Room. If you have questions or want more information, talk with Susan Knickerbocker about that. Thank you. Thank you, Deacon Amy. Um, there are also some new checks out in the uh, narthex that we have put up out there. Um, because of you and because of your generosity, we're able to make a big difference. Near and far, we sent $3,000 so far, and I know we have more coming in to help with the hurricane relief uh, in Florida. We also have checks out there for Holden Village and Gifts from the Heart Food Bank in uh, Coopville uh, and the MBRC Ranch. And there's one more out there, but I'm blanking on what it is, but they're right out there in the window. They say, given this week. So take a look at those. Would encourage you uh, to do that as well. Now, <clears throat> what we try to do here is encourage and empower each other so that we can go out those doors and make a difference in the world, okay? Because uh, what happens here only changes the world if we go out from here and make a difference in the world. So every week we kind of send you off with that charge to go make a difference as you leave here. And uh, we wanted to just briefly honor someone in our parish who's been making a difference in the world and is being honored by another organization and by, by us this morning, and that would be Ed Merlino. And Ed, you want to stand up? Uh, I'm going to come to you, Ed. But Ed's been representing Trinity on the uh, Helping Hand board. Helping Hand is <clears throat> housed in our building right down by the highway. <clears throat> and Ed's been on the board there representing us. He's been on the board for many years. He served so faithfully as a volunteer there. 
And uh, so the Helping Hand Board and Trinity wanted to honor Ed today. And so we have a card for you, Ed, and we just wanted to applaud you and thank you for your, yeah, thank you. You, uh, you have inspired us, Ed, and we thank you for that. Okay, anything else for the good of the order? If it's comfortable, I invite you to stand as we pray together as Jesus taught us by singing the Lord's Prayer. Depart from this uh, place of worship, go out there, go out those doors, find your place of service. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending him, let all things now living. Mm-hmm.